0: Before we start, here's a message from one of our friends. In a world of video stores and
1: late fees, when movies ain't what they used to be, one podcast will change the
0: world. They will embark on a journey to look at the good and bad movies from the golden era of home video, and things are about to get nostalgic. The VHS will rise and the screaming will fall.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Dave, this has got to be the worst
0: promo I have ever heard. No, it isn't. You're going down the route of the video trailer man, Dave. I want a training montage. Coming soon on a podcast near you. If you listen to one podcast this week, then you're probably listening to Joe Rogan. But if you've exhausted all of the podcasts... Then the VHS Strike Back is one to try. Welcome to the show where people share their passions. Everyone's geek about something. I'm your Super Dummy 4 on a mission to learn from people's experiences. This is Era Repeat. As always, remember, you can subscribe to the newsletter, pccnewsletter.com, where you'll get updates about this show and many others, as well as writers and artists and all sorts of amazing creators. Speaking of which, let's hear from today's guest.
1: My name is Zach Wiedersmith, and I am mostly known for a comic strip I write uh, called Saturday Morning Breakfast Cereal. But slash and I, I write books and uh, the, the latest book, which I take it as the one we'll get more into is a kid's adaptation of Beowulf, which uh, which I know sounds weird, but I took out the murder. There's no murder, no cannibalism. <laughs> it's, it's cool. Um, and I also do popular science books with my wife and I illustrated a book on immigration policy uh, from an economic perspective. So um, that's that's what I do. Uh, and I can I can I can geek in multi-directions. So if we <laughs> want to, I, I I I can geek mathematically, poetically, historically. I'm available.
0: Yeah, you cover a lot of bases in the uh, in the topics you cover.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I, I for me, um, I'm I'm in a weird position where I I've been lucky that I've been able to do comics full-time since I think maybe 2005 or so, maybe a little earlier, and. Um, and maybe like make an actually good living since something like 2010 or 2011 or so. And so I, I, I try to treat that as a kind of launch pad for other stuff, meaning I can do projects that are substantially riskier uh, because I, I know I'll, I'll at least have this comic that's that's making my main income for me. Uh, but the interesting thing has been, uh, so so lately the, the the like probably riskiest project yet has been this kid's book because it's, like I said, it's, a, it's an adaptation available for kids, which I thought would not be... That broadly appealing, um, and and more, moreover, it is a 600 line unrhymed verse epic for children. Uh, so it's not there's not really another book like it, and uh, I thought it would kind of land with a thud. And so far, it's doing uh, sort of obscenely well for 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 a, for a book in um, that hasn't even released yet. We're already on our third printing, which is which is like not normal for me. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'm I'm very interested to see where it goes.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's incredible. I I read the book and I was completely, I was engrossed by it. Um, and I, I was talking to someone at work this this morning, sort of saying that I was talking to you and I described the book to them and they're like, that sounds really cool. I want that.
1: Yeah. God, I, it's been, it's really been genuinely kind of like, like the, the, the word I want to use is romantic, like in the older sense of like uncanny and you know, like, interesting, like, because I, I really thought, I, I hoped we'd, we'd sell enough copies to get to make a sequel, but I, I, I really didn't think, I thought it would be broadly unappreciated, uh, like, like, it was just too weird of a book, and I, like, I, I, I was, like, walk being like, what, what, what was, what were we thinking, like, I can't believe I, I wrote Goulet into drawing this, and, and, and so, like, the, the fact that it's been broadly well-received is, is, like, caused me to reorient, I, I really didn't think there'd be that many, people who liked it and then like librarians are getting weird about it I, i've had like i don't know it's like it's like exactly right for them in a way i hadn't thought about it. maybe it's like combination of like weird and educational or something
0: i yeah, mean it's awesome I, lo- I love it i don't care about kids i love it i want <laughs>
1: <laughs> good good well you know i i my view of it was it was like that my, my concern uh was like so when you I have this view that any kid's book you think of as like a great kid's book, like not, not just a book that will amuse a kid, but like one that's great where you say like, Ooh, I'd better make sure like if I have grandkids, they get this. It's always a book that adults like too. And maybe that's just because we inflict stuff we like on children. But I, I tend to think like, like there are books that like, you know, absolutely target seven-year-olds to make them giggle. And, and I, I like, I, I have a project like that for, I'm working on for my kid, but like you know the, the ones you think of is really good. Like, I don't know, like the little Prince or, um, I don't know, Roll Doll, who's, who's in the news? Don't need to get into, but like, um, you know, those books that like keep keep getting read. I, I think it, they have to amuse adults, um, and I think part of that's just like, you know, adults have some level, some amount of taste, uh, and 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 so like, I, I feel like a, a good kids' book should do both, and I. I I was a little worried that like it would it would work for adults but not kids but at least anecdotally I had all these parents who are really happy about reading it with a kid like which is my ideal for this book is a parent reading it with a kid because mm. it's kind of like it's it's very um, uh, uh, there there are a lot of like archaicisms, but like not not like Latinate old words you know what I mean yeah uh, uh, not words like Latinate uh, you know words like thole or mirth you know that, that a kid wouldn't necessarily be bumping into. Um, and, uh, but, but it was kind of the tone of the book. Like I, I couldn't stick in too many familiar words. It had to have a kind of tone and, and, uh, to, to my surprise, like I've had a really positive response from kids too. Um, and I, I've had several people write me who did, were not like obligated to, who were just like, I read this with my kid and it was just kind of magical. It was this thing we did together. So, um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's been, it's been, it's been very cool. And I, I was also told, and I don't know, I'd be curious what you think of this. I was told by a guy, uh, several people actually now, who said they thought it would be really good for teenagers, which is kind of funny to me because there's a lot of jokes about teenagers. Um.
0: <laughs> no, I think it absolutely would. It it kind of, I think the joy of it is it it feeds into the mindset. Like every kid, every teenager has had that mindset that they're like on an on an adventure and they're the lead role and they are you know some mythical c- character it feeds into that and it fe- even for adults it feeds into that you know that old childhood yeah. ideal that we had
1: yeah yeah I, so, I, so i feel like the, the thing for me that, that really brought it together that made it like work as a story is the element where the adults or the the, the bad guy in the story you know you can't I, mean, I remember like wanting to do a, a kids' adaptation of Beowulf and being like, well, you know, Beowulf has a lot of of decapitations in it, and uh, and it, or you know, it's no good. Uh, but so the 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 idea. So what happens in the book? If people who haven't read it, is that they get turned old. There's just a sort of like suburban dad who is the most like his villainy is his suburbanness. Like he eats egg white omelets and. Uh, I feel like only watches news opinion shows and nothing else. You know, he's just like a- absolutely like I would, which I I feel like I hope what adults see in that is they're like, oh, I'm 60 percent this villain, you know, like that, that's um, that's my hope. What, what to me is funny. It, like what makes it nice is that like under under the hood, there's a kind of like it's kind of like about like like dying. It's kind of like this sad thing he's doing to all them. he's taking their childhoods away and going to make them old. The way in which they are old is not that they're like decrepit. It's that they really care about their bank appointments instead of like all, all the stuff that matters, you know. And, and, and like to, to me, that's what, what what I hope makes that fun is it's like like I, I showed it to a friend of mine, and he has two kids, and they were having two other kids over, and so these four kids, and they had read this book and they invented a game called Grindle Tag. And the game was that you would tag somebody, once they were tagged, they had to behave like an adult. <laughs> um, and what what I feel like what makes it work is a game. That I would have enjoyed as a kid is that, of course, there's an adult audience for this, so you're really insulting them because, um, like, he was saying, what they would do is they would get on their phone, uh, like in the way an adult just kind of like kind of zone out the way an adult does, you know. And it's it's like what's that's what's wonderful about it is I think like everybody's in on the joke, mm. like the the adult is 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 reading it as recognition and the kid is reading it as an insult, um, and I hope there's a kind of vice versa too because the you know the kids like. The kids are not being mocked exactly in the story, but they are kind of ludicrous in a way I think kids would appreciate. Um, and so that, that's why I say I hope it's sort of like kids and adults read it and enjoy it. Like they're kind of enjoying the same thing, which is a nice thing to have in a kid's book. And, and I think someone unusual.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Like when I was reading it, I kind of, yeah, you, you recognize the traits in yourself and you also, you li- idolize that idea that you can sort of go backwards somehow. Uh, it doesn't have to be that way. I can break free of this somehow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> somehow. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm hopeful, uh, you know, we we, we we get to do more and there could be a little bit of redemption. I mean, so I, I tried to, yeah, I kind of skirted the line on this because, like, so you do see it once here and there, there are, like, adults who are clearly, like, trying to do good. Like, there's the aunt who, do, who like, tries to help them out, yeah. but she doesn't know what she's doing because she's an adult. Uh, and and so, uh, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, I mean What's funny to me is like the, the adults, like, I always think of it as like they're kind of in like a Greek afterlife or something, right? That's what it's like to be an adult. Like you're not in hell. You're just kind of gone and in this like sort of sad place. Uh, and <laughs> and that's how kids see you, you know? Uh, it's, it's like you're not – it's not that you're dead or in torment. You're just kind of like not really a person in the way they are. Um, <laughs> It's so true, and so that's it's hard though because it's like you're writing this. You want to describing this guy as a proper villain, but his villainy has to emerge from his sort of like militant boringness, Um, and 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 uh, so like like the lines I was really happy about are those ones where you like like it's. Like when he when he when he pushes his way into the the treehouse, he does it with like tube socks on, which is like part of the monstrosity of him. But he, like, this, this, <laughs> it's, it's just so like it's it's not leather boots, right? It's yeah. like leather boots would be interesting, but uh, of course he's not wearing that. He has like a nightshirt and tall socks because he lives in the suburbs. And uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> no, I love it, and and just the idea as well that yeah, like the the way that he sort of enacts his villainy on all of them is to make them sort of slowly boring in a way yeah. and it's like I've I've had that a moment in a room full of kids where I just wish they would all sit down and be quiet and just act a bit more like an adult because I I just need a few minutes please <laughs> I just did well that's I was, I was afraid
1: of I pointed this out like the 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 villain's request of the children is completely reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Like they're staying up till midnight and lighting things on fire, you know, <laughs> and he just politely asked them to be quiet, which is, which was funny. I don't think I originally had it that way, but you, you get to where you're writing. You're like, Oh, he he's this guy from the suburbs. He wouldn't say, will you, will you shut up? You morons. He has to say, pardon me. Could you be quiet? Yeah. You know? Uh, Cause that's part of how his life is awful. He can't do, he can't do anything interesting. Um, yeah, I, that's, that's, I mean, there's, like, you know, the kids are basically being bad. I, I you know, the, to, to my mind, what was fun about this um, is I I I think there's a problem, in like, Anglophone culture uh, across the world where we're always moralizing. And, like, you don't see this in French comics. A French comic for kids can just be a sort of story for kids. Um, uh, and, and like, even, like, goofy comics in the U.S., like, like, the classical would be, like, I don't know if these are big, but, like, Dog Man or... Um, god uh captain underpants for god's sake like even they have to come in at the end and say something about friendship and whatever and and this book is not about that like i i I, think the 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 the, the, the under the hood aspect so like beowulf the original poem is i mean nobody knows what it's about so to speak because we don't have any information other than the 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 document or sort of forensic analysis of this and that um but like uh You know, the the one interpretation, which was Tolkien's interpretation, is that it's a a sort of like elegy poem. It's about like dying Mm. Um, because because you can you can very, very loosely, you can break it into two chunks. One is like this kind of Hercules character, this young, invincible man going around being awesome. And then one is him like very like in his 70s, it would be, you know, as, as an elderly king who kind of. Doesn't fail, but is sort of deserted by his people, and it's just kind of sad and terrible, uh, which is just sort of fascinating. I was I was described it as it's it's as if you were watching like Rambo or something, and like Rambo Part Three was Rambo the old man reckoning with uh, it all being kind of pointless, uh, we, we, which sort of without which you know it is not that interesting of a story. It's just a guy beating up monsters, uh, but it becomes this sort of very interesting thing, and it kind of it kind of it, especially if you've heard this story before and are reading it again knowing that like it just sort of ends kind of as, as many Norse stories do with like doom um it kind of adds a little glamour to the heroism at the get- beginning like kind of knowing that it just ends badly right. and it just, it's just sort of, like reckless hope to it uh knowing that like demise is coming so I, I tried to sort of like in, in, in a subtle way put that the in the, in the kids story uh, you know the, the sort of like you know this is all going to end um so ho- which hopefully adds some kind of like savor to the like yeah. the triumph.
0: No, absolutely. I just, I I just love the book. Is this, <laughs> There's so much to it. I can see myself in it. I can see, sort of myself from, X amount of years ago. I don't even want to think how long ago it was. Now, <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. But yeah, you're kind of, yeah. you're battling against the. You don't. You. It's kind of that subconscious thing when you're a kid that you're battling against being old coming towards you and you're trying to hold on yeah. to all the excitement.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that great right. I was I felt so so I happened to be reading uh I had George Orwell's complete essays. Uh my 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 heterodox this is this is giggy. My heterodox take on on George Orwell is that his fiction is just okay and his his essays are outstanding. <laughs> um and, and uh maybe maybe the very best of his are at least like tied is an essay called such such Were the joys, which was like about being George Orwell as, you know, an English boarding school boy went back when that was like real bad. Mm. Um, And, um, you know, you know, with like the beatings and and bullying and all sorts of nasty stuff. And, and um, she was just talking in in that George Orwell way, like with, with like utter honesty, or at least as he saw it about what life was like. And he has this, this wonderful passage that as I was like, as we were like finalizing if I came across where he just describes what it's like to be a kid and to look at adults and like look up at them and how sort of like grotesque they are and like they're always fussing about pointless stuff all the time and there's just no point to their lives that the kid can understand you know and and it closes with this little little sentence which is something like only child life is real life and um and that was such a nice way to put it and it, it, like we actually thought about just keeping that that part and having nothing else. Only child life is real life. Except it's like that's not quite what he's saying. It's, it's it would be more accurate to say he's saying to the mind of the kid only. Mm-hmm. You know, child life is real life. They don't see the the point. And of course, if you've been around kids, you see this. You could if you start talking about like like I, I you know I just I, my own kid I was, you know my daughter was like what are you reading I was like well there's a war in Ukraine and she like she like that means something to her and if she knows people are dying it's sad but it's it's not like it it, it just can't like in her field of view it like life is video games and friends at school and um jokes she heard and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and that's real life to her and she doesn't understand why adults like stress about all the stupid things we stress about and um and it, and, and so I was, so, this, so that became the the little, little epigram for the book uh, and i feel like it it, it sort of nicely sort of tees up uh, the the like uh the whole sentiment of it um yeah. Highly recommended. Yeah. George Orwell's fiction is overrated. That, that'll be my, that's my hot take.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That'll be the title of the show just to get all the, all the internet right. people clicking. <laughs> <laughs> <Get the clickbait. laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that that's a good bouncing off point then that we'll come back to to the book and yeah. to more of that, but sort of, so yeah, who, who are you outside of this? Who, what else are your interests in your, because you, you, I mean, you cover a lot in your, in your book. Yeah, yeah. In your Saturday morning breakfast here you cover a lot. I mean, so who are you outside of this?
1: I I like to think of myself as just a very boring person. Uh, <laughs> I like to sit around and, and read books all day. And uh, I kind of like to binge on topics, but also sort of read generally. Um, so it's what I do. The, the way I I've structured my life, which most of the time, is pretty good. Is I, I sort of meanderingly read, which helps me write comics because they're kind of like, oh, you can hear the tractor going by.
0: Uh, <laughs> well,
1: it's it's a rustic setting. Uh, yeah, so I like to I like to kind of read whatever I uh, like. I like to read weird stuff um, and a lot of different stuff. But then I also I take on book projects because it ha- having systematicity to um a a reading project helps with retention um which, which like whatever uh like this you know it's not like i'm going to take a test but um it's nice it, it gives a sort of structure It also you know when you're working on something it kind of makes your reading life sort of magical it, it can lead to a lot of drudgery because you end up reading books that are just awful but you need to read them to understand something yeah. you know but but like but like at the same time you know, I'll, say like so, I, 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 was, I was talking to. you, I think before we were recording that I'm, I'm working, I, I'm releasing a book fairly soon about the space settlement, and I'm not allowed to say anything about what's in it. But, 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 like, as just an example, I remember coming across, uh, like, a a book from the like '80s where a guy had just gone through and answered a bunch of like questions, and then nobody else had picked up the topic since. And it's a book that I think if you were not specifically researching, like space settlement sociology this would have been like a, like a horribly boring book but because you're like you're on the treasure hunt you know it, it, it turns it into magic you know it's sort of I guess it's like if you're like a detective and it's a clue like a clue is just like it's like a coin or something who cares about a coin but it's attached to this big thing you're doing it's really fun um a while back I did um a little joke book about Shakespeare's sonnets and I ended I have like a shelf of like analysis of Shakespeare's sonnets which in any other context would be horribly boring. <laughs> Uh, but I was like trying to write jokes about Shakespeare's sonnets, and I think like something like that. You really need to understand it to write jokes about it, and and so it takes all these books that normally I don't think I would be able to get through unless I was like you know trapped and had nothing else. Uh, but once once you have this sort of like setup that I need to know, then it then it adds this, this sort of zest to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I tend to you know sort of read broadly just to be a sort of knowledgeable person, which helps with my comics. But then. You know, like for this Beowulf uh, kids book, I know it's a kids book, but I, I do have a whole shelf of Beowulf books and, and old English books in translation. I even tried to teach myself a little old English, which is kind of disastrous. Um, but uh, but, but, so, but, it, but it made it fun because I, now I know, you know, I, I got to dig in and, and, you know, maybe most people don't really care uh, about different theories of how, how Beowulf is structured. But when you're like, oh, I really need to understand this because I'm adapting it, uh, then it's sort of magical to, to look through these debates um, and, and even to look through theories you think are wrong but might be fun to take anyway because they're interesting. Um, so, um, and then I can get, so, so to be more specific, uh, the the specifics sort or of deep dives I've done are I did a pop science book with my wife called Soonish. She, my wife's a research scientist. This is a book about like emerging technology stuff. Um, and then I worked as the illustrator. Um, for a book on immigration called Open Borders, which was slightly controversial. Um, and uh, uh, we can talk about that. I mean, one of my, my deep geek directions is immigration um, and economics in general. Uh, and it's, it's, it's you know, I know not everybody agrees with me and I don't expect them to, um, but, but an interesting thing when you talk to economists about immigration is that the, the debate is very different from the public one. It's more of a like, who and how much, and it tends to be a higher number than the public ones. Hmm. Um, which is like, you know, we, we don't need to get into a policy debate. This is another place for it, but like, like, or, or discussion, I mean, but like, um, it's just interesting. Separate from like, like your your views, there's like all sorts of facts uh, that they go, you know, uh, like, facts. like facts, facts, are their needs. Um, and, and, and you, they can absolutely be interpreted in different ways. Cause like people have different views on what's sort of just and what's fair and, and that's totally fine. But like, there's also just a lot of information and, and often it's counterintuitive and that was really fun. Um, it was also fun because when you're the illustrator, you're not expected to defend your position. That's for the author to do, <laughs> <laughs> so, which was nice for me. Uh, I could just sit and yell. Um, but uh, and then uh, and then COVID happened, uh, and so I didn't work on much for a while. But then uh, just lately, I have this uh, kids Beowulf coming out, and then as I said, a book on on space settlement, which is like a four year long nightmarish research project i'm i'm I, i'm fairly expert on international law vis-a-vis space uh which is a thing i i've friends with space lawyers now it's it's, 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 it's uh, a <laughs> who also exist i uh they they they're they're just diplomat or scholars they're not like i feel like when i say space lawyer people imagine a space suit is involved <laughs> uh and it's not um so i get yeah that that's what i'm up to i mean i have i have like hobbies too i i, I like uh you know, botany, and um, and I'm very bad at learning languages, but I like doing it. And I like I like uh, teaching myself a little math. It's been a little harder lately mm. with with kids running around. But uh, but
0: yeah. Wow, I mean it, it. sounds like your your brain just works in a way that it needs to consume knowledge, and you've somehow managed to turn that into a way to pay yourself money.
1: <laughs> I know. I I feel very lucky because I think I, I feel like my career doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I mean, I think I I, I am like you know b- people say lucky and they don't really believe it, but I, I, you know like, they're like no, actually it was hard work. But I'm saying lucky to be polite But like I do feel lucky because I got in on comics at a time when I think it was easier to kind of get in. Hmm. Like so today, it's very professionalized, and there are a lot of third party services that do everything and anything you could do. Someone is doing better, and so like I I I was lucky because I came at a time when I could just kind of like be bad at it for like years um and 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 sort of like get 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 my skill set together and 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 so and i was able I, I feel also quite lucky in that by a kind of like sequence of, of, of genuinely lucky events it could have gone another way i was able to go quote unquote professional at i think i was like 23 or something hmm. you know fair, fairly fairly young i mean i was like professional was like you know, my my rent was like incredibly low, and I was eating noodles and potatoes. But like, you know, when you're, when you're 22 or 23, it doesn't matter. Like, that's delightful. Um, kind of wish I could still live off ramen and potatoes. It be, it be bad, um, but but like so so. But that that's lucky because you know, that's a you know, if you, if you're lucky enough that you can have a career early on. You know, and and it keeps going. Then you you know you 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 can do more of this weird stuff. And you can you can spend more time developing like this knowledge base and skill sets. Right. Um, but like I I do feel lucky too in that like if I were my wife and I joke about this like I think if I were smart I would release like a new pop science book every maybe year and a half like a light fun pop science book but like for me that would I just I like I know people who do this and they're they're happy and I'm sure they make more money than me it wouldn't be very fun for me and and so I'm lucky enough that for whatever reason I have a readership that kind of follows me in different directions or at least some percent are willing to go in each direction um like I, I was scared to death about that immigration policy book I thought it would piss a lot of people off um but uh, uh, I'm sure, well, it did piss off some. I, I actually got a guy who was, a, a, who I, I had the best email of my life. You know, I, I don't actually get that much hate mail, but I got a, a guy who was like telling me how he was a Nazi, like literally a Nazi. Now, you, know, you know, people are like, this guy's a real Nazi. This guy was like, I'm a national socialist. And then I was like, wow. Uh, and, and he said um, he said something like, I wish you'd keep an open mind about uh, immigration because, you know, I kept an open mind and that's how I became a Nazi. And you're like, that's not that's not a super enticing thing. <laughs> that was that was one of those where you are like, I'm I'm sorry to lose your your readership, sir, but not not terribly sorry. Um,
0: I think he might have um, misunderstood what having an open mind means.
1: <laughs> that, that was the funny thing actually because like well, like I said, I like you know, I think I think in surveys, something like three percent of the population of the us. agrees with me, and I just do not expect anyone to go along with me. but like what's funny is I re- repeatedly had that accusation like, why won't you keep an open mind when I hadn't even talked to someone yet? Uh, it was, it was, it was really strange, but I don't, I think I, all I can figure is sort of lexically open mind has come to mean. I feel you are supporting a dominant narrative. Mm. Uh, and, um, that's, that's all I can figure. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but yes, I, I, you know, I like, even with a this space settlement book, which I can't say much about, like we, we asked the publisher for three years to do research and I, we we're stupid enough. We didn't know that was a weird ask. Like, I think, that, that's like kind of a no-no uh, because you know, you're you out of the public uh, for, for three years, right? Like ideally you want to keep coming out with the hits, right? Um, but like, this was a deep, 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 deep research project. Like it involved, like I have like a 600 page treaties on seabed law because it's, it's uh and I will say no more, but it's relevant to how we structure space law. And, and, and I was like, you know, there, there is a version of this where I just interview a guy or a gal about it, but I, you know, it's just like, there's some stuff where you want to know what you're talking about. And so it really, when I say it was a three-year research, but it was actually more like four because we started before we even talked to the publisher about it. But it was like that kind of thing. It was two people, it was just like hundreds of books, which were all horribly difficult books. And um, but like that to, to me, that's like such a cool lifestyle to get to live. Like, like I am, I we we were going to go in deep to where, like, you know, like we we we've had, we've been in the position of correcting experts now because we got that deep into it. Yeah um and and so like that to me that's really satisfying like even if like it, it's very it's, it's very anxious work for me like I, I find i find popular science to be very anxious work it because it's like you could be wrong and you might be calling out people which i am like i i have fr- like my my friend who wrote the uh, uh who wrote the the text for open borders loves calling out people he loves fighting <laughs> with people i i do not i i feel genuinely anxious about it i i like if someone's like, I disagree with you, I'm like, you're probably right. I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry to have you. Um, uh, but but I don't know. But it just yeah, as a lifestyle thing, to be like, you know, I'm I'm reading this like 30 year old like like I mean, I, I, there are books on space settlement from the 1920s I got to read. You know, which like, why would you ever read this? But it's it's, it's historiographically interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, geek stuff. Oh
0: wow. <laughs> you like my spirit animal that I wish I could live that life where I just absorb knowledge. That sounds amazing. It's just, it's, some, yeah. I just like, sometimes you feel like you need to go down a rabbit hole and that's your everyday yeah. view is a rabbit hole.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. Although, you know, there is a trade-off and it, like, um I, it's obviously a trade-off I'm very happy to accept, but which is like, it never ends. So like the problem is, you know, like to so, like, like like with, with Beowulf, one of the nice things about researching Beowulf is we know almost nothing about the text. Mm. Um, so you can actually read, you know, a, a quote unquote small number of books. You could read if you read 10 books about like this sort of like, you know, th- this document, you know, a high percentage of all of it. You're not getting into the like, how do we interpret a, a particular word thing that the real scholars are doing? Mm. But you really know what you're talking about. Um, whereas with with like some parts of like space settlement, like space is really hard because, you know, there's this funny thing uh, where just like if something was part of the Apollo program, there is like a, a, a 10,000 page book about like every bolt in the command module. You know, there, there is no end of the research. There was always some book. And so for, for me, that is like wake up in cold sweats territory. It was, it was like, it's funny, you have this idea that you would be like, you know, like guy in the newsroom, like I'm getting to the bottom of this. But when you can't get to the bottom, I find that really distressing. Mm. And, and like, you know, you no publisher will be like, oh, just take all the time you want. They, they, you know, our Penguin is awesome. They gave us extra time to finish. But like, there, there is some stuff where I'm still like, I think we gave a much more complete answer on, say, well, let me, I'm not allowed to say what we gave <laughs> complete answers, <laughs> but, but, like, on a bunch of topics, we give a much more complete answer on it than than any other book. But it's still very. God it really makes me uncomfortable. Like I I like and it, not in a, not not like a pleasant sort of like quasi heroic but just genuine dread. Yeah. Um so I mean I mean the trap is if you're an entertainer you can't just go down the rabbit hole you have to emerge with the rabbit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so but but but, but yeah no, I know I would, I would I would pray for anything I sometimes should uh, sometimes think this is this is I don't want to get too deep on this but like I think a lot of people focus on sort of like personal transcendence as a kind of life goal hmm. and there's something to be said for like misery in pursuit of of, of a transcendent product, um, uh, uh, which I know is, is a kind of like ugly way of saying it. But but there is it really it feels nice to have made something you're proud of, and it's it's not the same thing as you know like uh, you know walking in a park and 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 or like seeing a constellation and being like wow we're so small and all this wonderful stuff. And I, I I'm not opposed to that. I do it too. But I feel like that we may, we're underweighting the value of like you know, the, the perfect thing, making a thing you, you just like, you feel good that you did it, even though you hated doing it. Like the journey was terrible. The destination was pretty solid. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'll read how, how how to live your life in misery uh, book someday.
0: <laughs> if you could, that would be great. That would help me along quite well. <laughs> There's been plenty of times where it's been a real slog and, oh, God, why am I doing this?
1: <laughs> yeah. T- totally, I I, I I do think there's you know the thing about doing good work that I feel like goes underappreciated is that like it's almost like having a shield, you know, like so I, like like when you like I, I felt this way about about Beowulf, like I really was convinced, I'm I'd, like it's it's just wonderful that people are liking it, but I, at some point I remember just being utterly convinced, like while driving the car that I'd made a sort of terrible mistake. Like, like, because it's like it's not just me, right? You know, it's like, oh my god, they, they paid me to do this. Mm. My publisher is, is is putting a lot on the line for it, and and, and G, uh, the the B- boulade you know is drawn like hundred fifty like of the greatest comic book pages I've it ever is seen. Amazing,
0: just putting it out there is amazing.
1: He, he, uh, best in the world, I say that full of bias, but it's the truth. Um, and I, I, I had this like gin sort of like dark thoughts, like not not like like depression, but just kind of like, oh, no one's gonna like this but at least I remember you do have this when you like my, my thought was never it's not a good book I never thought that I always thought it was like it was it was the best thing I'd ever written but I I, I was I, I thought it was just going to be like there's no audience for this mm. it's it's like it's good good but there's nobody for it and so like finding out there is such an audience has been like the delight of my career but like it, it is so like like I say even though you have that kind of misery like say, being able to say to yourself I made something good and even if everybody doesn't get it, like it's going to sit in the library and somebody's going to pick it up in 50 years and say, Oh my God, I can't believe they got away with this. <laughs> um, and, and it, so like, that, that's what I mean by like, like sort of sacrificing transcendence for like a transcendent work. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to call my own book transcendent, but like, it's what I'm trying for. Um, and and I, do, I I do think we, maybe we underweight that, but but yeah. what do I know? <laughs> no, I,
0: I just want to absorb your aura currently because you're, you're <laughs> speaking my language. It's funny because I I was listening to some podcasts on Saturday and randomly there was one about space law. So apparently my life is about space law now. I don't quite know how this. Oh happened. my god! <laughs> <laughs> who, who was it? Am I? Am I... Uh, it was. Uh, well, it was NHPR, New Hampshire Public Radio. They did. They have two shows called Outside In, which looks at sort of the. world around us and they also have another show called civics 101 which looks at american politics and they did a crossover show where they both talked about space and how it relates to space law um yeah it it does it on a basic level but yeah it was quite interesting and then yeah apparently that's my life now space law oh yeah
1: totally oh (laughs) you should you should dig in there is actually there there is a popular treat like if you actually want to go down this rabbit hole like it is it is it is fairly boring once you're past the, like, excitement part. Uh, we, we did our best to make it very engaging and, like, talk about the, the like, politics of it. But, like, um, uh, there, there is a book called The Little Book of Space Law, um, which is a kind of, like, the kind of thing, a, 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 like, an entering law student would read. But it's quite readable. Um, I mean, the, the, the funny thing, the joke is, but it's true, is that space law is actually just property law. And you can you mm-hmm. sort of hear the air going out of the room, you know, like, <laughs> oh, it's property law. You know, it's not, it's not, like. What lasers can we shoot at each other? To law, you know, it's it's property law, but but it is it is fascinating property law. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They were talking about oh, this is complete tangent now. They were talking about like yeah. maritime law, where if you find it, you kind of have some ownership over it. it. Doesn't count in space, and then uh, all the treaties about doing mining in space. And it, if you just decide not to sign the treaty, then what do we do then? And
1: yeah. Yeah, well, and I I and I again without wanting to give away anything in my book, I, I would say this is a case where America is a problem. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hate to be unpatriotic, but America, you know, has tends to have a, a particularly um let's say liberal view mm. of um what, what is allowed and what isn't. Um <laughs> and 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 that tends to be in contrast to the, the, the general views held in Europe, which is in contrast again views of china and russia and so it's it's an interesting time uh, for space law.
0: yeah um, yeah that was definitely we're definitely tangent territory um no it's <laughs> no, no it's big it, stuff it's the future yeah. as well it's something that we're all yes. gonna have to get used to
1: <laughs> i i i suspect so although uh well let me say no more about space. law. So I'll get myself in trouble, but, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but I, I have a complex opinion on, on, on some of this stuff, but it's, it's uh, I'll, 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 I'll come back in uh, November if you'll have me and we can, we can
0: go. Jump, Absolutely.
1: <laughs>
0: there you go. Space law book coming soon on the shelf. Um, <laughs> so do you remember, um, kind of your first experience with geek culture?
1: Oh, probably. So I was born in 1982, and I would say so. I, you know, I had like fairly typical kid interests. I think the first thing I was so like, let's say geek involves some level of obsession. Um, or I almost want to say that like the thing that makes things sort of qualitatively geeky to me is that way in which once you're in the circle of geekness about something, objects and ideas related to it take on a sort of luster. Do you know what I mean? Like that's what it, that that's when you know you're in. Um, like uh, and so the first thing that I think I would have really felt that I mean I mean I was into like baseball cards but not really that's it's like just if you're an American kid you're supposed to buy baseball cards but I don't remember really I think I like it came with gum which was uh, the real real prize but um but I I think probably of the first thing I was I was really into Star Wars I think starting when I was like 12 or 13 I was like like I, I had like rows of miniatures and like painting stuff you know like 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 I would say the first sort of genuine like dork out. Absolutely like wasting money, like like every birthday had to be related to Star Wars in some way. And like um, you know, right? either way, it's that geek thing where you're like, I would I would read like the worst sort of trashiest novels as long as R2D2 was involved. <laughs> yeah. Do um, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean that's, I feel like that's the kind of you know, unironically, that's the nice thing about, about being a geek about something is you 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 can enjoy things that aren't that great. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um uh, it, it's part of the magic of, because it's community stuff, you know, fundamentally it's, it's like you, once you're in the community has its little deities and heroes and war. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say that was, that was my first super geek thing.
0: So how, how was it, you were gripped to them in geek culture or how did you flow in and out of things?
1: Uh, I would say I flowed in and I, I've had it as a complex relationship. So like, uh, that's, that's like overstating it. Like, <laughs> Star Wars cheated on me or something. <laughs> well, no, I, I kind of, Star Wars kind of did cheat on me. So like, I, I think probably a lot of people went through the same thing. So like I said, I was born in 1982. So I grew up in like the desert of Star Wars when like there was no new Star Wars anything for a long time. And so like, and like getting Star Wars toys was like artifact collecting. You know, it really was like, you couldn't go to the, the, the toy store to get Star Wars stuff. It was all in like, you know, smelly uh, uh, comic book shops and and that kind of thing. Or like, or, or like, oh, the best, like if you're some old lady's, um, garage sale and there's like, Oh my God, this is the 1978 X wing, you know? And, and like, I, was, I mean, that's again, that's what makes it magical. Um, uh, at, but like, so I was, I grew up in the sort of desert of star Wars and then like special editions came out and by, by common consent, they were basically just slightly worse. And, uh, and then the prequels came out and I know they have their defenders, but they're basically not very good. Um, uh, and, um, and I think that, that actually kind of I think I maybe as I got to be an older teen was kind of drifting from it, and that kind of kicked me right out. I think it was just kind of like I remember, I remember you know as a, as a snotty, it would have been like seventeen or eighteen, sort of walking out of the theater and being like, "I could have written a better Star Wars. What, what, what was this? It's just absolutely terrible." Um, and and uh, so I, I, it was never quite the same for me after that. I could never just just sort of like muster up the uh, the affection for it. Um, and I, I had been like just hardcore into it, like an absolute collector, good going to conventions. I had an autographed Mark Hamill portrait on my wall. Oh, wow. Like it was, it was, it was serious. It was gross. I mean, I was into it. <laughs> um, but, but, but after that, not so much. And I, I don't think I've ever, I have things I love, but I don't know that I've ever felt like I was kind of part of a fandom. I know that's slightly different from being a, a sort of a geek about a topic. I mean, I may I'd want to get into like a semantic debate, but like, um, I've, I've never quite had that kind of like um, absorption with, with like a franchise or something since I, I, for whatever reason, it just hasn't, hasn't done it for me. And, uh, and, and I mean, I have like authors I love or, or like literary periods I love mm. and, and this and that, but not, not never quite had that same feeling about something.
0: Interesting. So how about then comics? Because obviously people think of you, they're mm-hmm. probably going to think about comics. How did your relationship there that start? Uh,
1: I, I think I had a kind of odd route. So I was, um, I think I read comic books as a kid, but I wasn't like, like I can't tell you Superman trivia or Spider-Man trivia or any of that. I wasn't, I wasn't that into it. I'm not now. I'm, I'm like the only guy. I don't think, I'm not sure I've seen a single Marvel movie. I, I think I've seen bits of them like uh like in an airplane or with my my daughter but like i've never i've never sort of sat down to watch one and like that's no i'm not one of these guys who's going to be like why are you watching children's movies or whatever like i don't care like people like stuff and that's fine it, it's just for like the sort of genre of superhero stuff kind of doesn't do it for me um and so I, I was never that into it i was more of a comic strip person comic strips are of course a different thing altogether mm. and but i actually I, I really fell into comics um like one of the last real jobs I ever worked, I was I was my my what I wanted to be was a, a, a TV writer for a long time. I mean I was I was I liked writing comics here and there, you know, when I was a a high school student and a college student, I did it kind of like as a hobby or for fun or to amuse friends, you know. Um and then I, I graduate I have a degree in English literature, uh, which is something. Um, and uh and degree in hand, I um I was like 10 seconds from going to graduate school for English literature and kind of decided not to. Um, for, for like a variety of reasons and uh which I think was a good choice. Um and I had gone to uh, college near Los Angeles and I was like, well, I'm near Los Angeles, I'll go to Los Angeles and I'll see if I can find a way to get to TV writing, which sounded fun. Mm-hmm. And I sort of slowly climbed the ladder, and uh, hating the business more as I got up each rung. And I, I finally got into the rung you want, uh if you're trying to make it, which is assistant to somebody. And I was assistant to like talent agents. And it was such utter unrelenting immiseration uh, that I left and I've never um, looked back. But the, the sort of parachute out was doing comics because comics were, were like making making like pennies, you know, mm. um, but but like the hope of kind of doing a comic for a career was like, OK, I, I could do something else that, that still sort of scratches the itch to have a quote unquote creative lifestyle or whatever. Uh, but I, but I did, did not want to work in the Hollywood business, um, which I'm told is nicer now, but I don't believe it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of fell into comics. It was, it, was, it was genuinely like the joke about comics is like it's for people who can't write that well and can't draw that well, but could do a little of both. And that was kind of true of me. Like I was I was OK. I was like a moderately funny person who could draw. OK. And the standards were fairly low when I was doing it in the early 2000s. And I kind of fell into it. And, it, you know, it, early on, it was making, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month was a good month. And mm. just slowly uh, it sort of grew from there. And I was able to, at some point, uh, you know, uh, choose to do it full time.
0: I mean, that's incredible. So many people would be, uh, shall we say, very jealous that you managed to path that career for yourself.
1: Uh, oh, God. I, yeah. I, but, I, you know, and I, I, this has been remarked on by plenty of people who are smarter than me, but it's just that, that you, you know how like so I, I i i'm around a lot of scientists now and i, I write popular science and it's it's like i remember being in, in movie stuff and when you're outside of movies you're like there's so many talented people here how does a bad movie ever get made and by the time you've been there a couple of years you're like how does a good movie ever get made <laughs> there's everything is acting against goodness um and it's the same in science you're like it's amazing that people manage to push through and do really high quality work because there's so much arrayed against you institutionally mm. and um but I also I mean you know in fairness, this is me as a cartoonist, like writing for like movies or TV is not like it's not solitary work. It's it's lots of people in a room interacting with several layers of 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 people who get to change things and like some people really thrive in that. I think some people really like the kind of bouncing ideas stuff and I do not uh <laughs> I, do, I do not I know a lot of people love that like improvising ideas and I have people I like talking to but I I, I like sitting I'm sitting in an attic right now uh, I like writing here. I like it a quiet and alone that is my that is my milieu.
0: yeah so what about now then because obviously your your sort of interaction and your relationship must be very different how do you feel about you know comic books in the wider medium now
1: um, yeah, so my, I, I'm, I'm getting to where I am not a reliable opinion, haver because I've been kind of, uh, I, I'm not in the sort of trenches. I feel like the person you would want to talk to is like a 25 year old who's like actively building a career. Um, so, uh, my opinion may not be that interesting, but I, I would say my impression is from the consumer end, it's like better than ever. Um, like just, so I have an eight year old daughter. And it's so easy to buy her a single author driven wonderful book for kids, uh, which like when I was growing up, those almost didn't exist. Uh, and, uh, and, and just like you know, the, the term graphic novel used to be a kind of fancy pants, like, you know, academic term. And now it's just a normal phrase people use to refer to this kind of thing. So it's like, I think we're, we're you you could say we're in a golden age of really good comics. I mean, I think, you know, like France and and Japan and maybe like Belgium or Italy have been in an ongoing good period since like the '50s, but 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 the the, the U.S. had or at least had a really bad time of. Uh, I mean, again, I'm like dishing on superheroes again, but it's like it was, it was like all like you know people in cape fighting the monster of the week, and 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 things have been changing. You know, I, I think like there was a kind of puberty in the '90s where everything was like Batman is angry, um, and uh, and then it started to sort of finally transition to there's a real strong artistic literary genuinely actually good set it against the best people writing prose uh uh art scene in in terms of being an artist uh, i'd say there's good and bad i mean it's never been a a lucrative career to be like a graphic novelist uh or or, or, you know i mean like obvious exceptions aside it's not a career you go into to make money uh or not, not you know like to make not to make big money um so you know um so like popular science is a much you know if I were just focused on money I would, I would dump some of the comic stuff to do more popular science um but like um it's also a little complicated because and and this this is this could be too much of a tangent but like so when I was first drawing web comics like um you know the the, the nice thing was it was just everybody had a website and people would read on your website and so if you said buy my book people would actually buy your book. And now, uh, the way the internet works is almost everybody consumes, and I'm guilty of this too, or it's not even guilt at this point, it's just how the modern internet works. Most of us consume from maybe a dozen or fewer websites, right? You, you don't have, like, you know, there's a time when you had 800 tabs or an RSS feed. Now, most people consume through, um, you know, Reddit and, and and YouTube and Facebook and a couple others. Uh, and maybe they, they, like, have a pocket full of news sites they look at, but that's about it. And so on the one hand, it's, it's weird as an artist because you're like, you know, I was just checking my Facebook numbers. And I, I reached like 10 million people today. I reached a population. This, or not Well, this week I reached 10 million people. Like, you know, more people than live in New York City read my comic this week. But did they buy anything for me? Like they would have, you know, if I, if I had had 10 million people going to my website, I would be like retiring. or not quite, but you know what I mean. And so it's like, it's this weird thing where. What I find distressing, and I'm I, I, I'm I'm willing to buy that this is just me being an old man or or you know graduating into old manhood, but if I if I if I talk to an artist who's like 22 now and I say, where can I read your comic? They they will give me a website most of the time, but they'll also give me like 12 other um platforms, which they are expert in. Uh and when I say expert in, I mean they're expert in tripping the secret algorithm um so what what distresses me about that it's like i mean it is what it is you have to perform where the audience is uh that's like always been true for entertainment but that that there's some horrific amount of time that could have been spent on craft that is going into trying to figure out how the facebook algorithm changed this month um i find that sort of distressing um a friend of mine who's 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 very leftist but i thought this was a an interesting way to say it said it was like, there's now like a comics labor class instead of a creative class. There are a lot of people who just do kind of like grindy work to trip algorithms and make money that way. And it, it, you know, whereas the nice thing about being in on the beginning of an artistic movement, which I think I could, I could slightly claim to be with web comics is that there is no money yet. So everyone there is doing it out of love, including the audience. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so there was, there was no money. And that sucks. It's kind of okay if you're 19, right? But like, um, but uh, the, it, there's a sort of beauty to it that is, I think, mostly gone now. And it's just like, and that's fine. Like, I, I don't, I don't have like a, a kind of like we need to go back because like this is just what happens when something becomes normal instead of like a thing a like tiny number of doorquads are doing. But like, I, I do, I do have a kind of like you sort of miss that aspect of it when it was a little like less corporate, I guess, like, less about like learning how to operate in in this media environment and more about doing interesting, weird stuff. Um, but but you know, just to be clear, like, again, as a consumer, I still think it's a great time. It's a little less to my taste because comics have now become a lot more um, slice-of-life-y. Um, you know what I mean? Like, if you pull up, like, the Reddit comics page, it used to be a lot weirder. <laughs> or when I, I mean, It used to be more stuff I like. let's say. Now it's a lot more, you know, I have workplace anxiety and cats are cute, and that's fine. I really, I don't <laughs> want to sound like a jerk about it. Just not for me it's it's just that normal people showed up and they want normal people stuff and 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 so it's just the, the, there's a like you know there, there's much higher quality of art there are a lot of clever people but some of that kind of like you know rebellious romance is gone mm. um yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it's almost like the the tricking the facebook algorithm algorithm thing it's like the content is like there was that one popular thing and now everyone does that one popular thing so you there. There's a lot of things on the same sort of topics and no one really wants to stray out of that because you're just not going to get seen. I I totally
1: agree. And I I actually would add, um, and without like calling out anyone in particular, I've seen this over and over again with artists where you'll have a sort of upstart new cartoonist, you know, young, young, young cartoonist doing really cool kind of different, awesome stuff. Like it's, it's really hilarious or it's, you know, just an interesting perspective, whatever it is. And then they do that one comic that's about, I was depressed this week. And then you check in with them three years later, and they're only doing that comment because that was the one that got 40,000 likes. Um, and maybe that's their oeuvre. Maybe that always was going to be. But I always, whenever I see that, I think, oh, there's going to be this person who's going to be like flowering in every direction. And instead they found the thing that trips the algorithm. Mm. Or they, well, it's almost, I want mean, to see, like like it trips the human algorithm, right? Uh, it's like like, it's not just Mark Zuckerberg's fault. It's our fault because we respond to you know, cer- certain types of thing, right? Yeah. Like uh, like we respond to anger. It's a problem in humans. We share anger. Um, and so, you know, the result of that is you can kind of give into this stuff. Uh, I, I actually, I would say the only reason I'm slightly inoculated against doing like bad slice of life or let me not say bad, let me say just like um, generic or something that's still insulting, but you know what I mean? Like, like, like. Uh, 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 I, I don't know a nice way to say it. So let me just roll on. Um, the only reason I don't do like kind of slicey life a slice of lifey here's my kitty cat stuff is whenever i've tried it just dies i think i'm just not <laughs> relatable uh it's like it's like a, it's like a, an alien trying to do human slice of life stuff so i, I <laughs> so which is like been, 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 been very good because ironically it's, it's funny for me so but when i do something that's kind of like bizarre or science fictiony it gets a good response so i feel like i've been kind of like nudged in this more interesting direction uh sort of happily um but yeah, I think what worries me is it's kind of like, you know, and it's sort of like artistic movement. If you were doing work like that, you would be scorned by your peers and pushed into like, no, 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 show me something more interesting. Push yourself harder. And I worry that, you know, now that the the internet is just, it's it, it's not a place where nerds go. It's just, it's like TV. You get more content that's like TV. Uh, you get more like sitcom stuff. And it's just like, and again, it's fine. And probably the, the total output of cool, weird stuff is still what it was, but it's, it's, it's harder to find and it's harder for those people, I think. Um, which which is know, a little unfortunate but but i'm sure you know i was someone a friend of mine reminded me that that thing that somebody doing weird stuff is always somewhere it's just not in comics anymore um for, the, for yeah. the time being it's just you know and, and it, it just moves around it's always like this
0: yeah it's funny because while you were talking i i was looking through my my browser bookmarks which seems like a weird thing to do but i have a dead folder here from like 10, 15 years ago yeah. of all the web comics that I used to read. Yeah. And I used to religiously read every single day until, you know, yep. life meant you can't read 10 to 15 yeah, <laughs> comics totally. every single day. But I couldn't yeah, tell you how it's... I found half of them because it's before yeah. Reddit, before like Facebook was really that popular that I found all of these. I couldn't tell you how I found them.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I probably was, it was one linking another. Uh, yeah. You know, you know. I mean, I. I that, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's just a, there's, there's also sort of small town charm in the early days, which you know mm. nobody appreciated, of course, and it's, it's it's the kind of thing you only appreciate in retrospect. But there was a kind of like um, there was something nice about that. Yeah, there, there was there weren't these layers between everything, and uh, and uh, but you know you don't you don't want to get too nostalgic. Uh, there's there's so much cool stuff happening now. I don't want to in any way be like oh it was so much better back then. But like there were there were aspects, you know in the same way that like you know when a small town becomes a big town something is lost and mm. something is gained and it's just it is what it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure I actually want to click on any of these links because God knows what I'd find in there now. <laughs> I know.
1: It's, so, it's funny. We used to think nothing would ever disappear from the internet. Now, now yeah. and then I remember a webcomic from the early days and I can find no trace of it. And it's just like it only exists in memory, um, which is kind of a bummer.
0: But, yeah. yeah. Again, that's the fun of being old. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know. I know. Oh, well.
0: Um. So, yeah, to round off, to finish off, I like to, you know, end with a, just a small, you know, fix the world kind of question. Yes. Um. So for parents, because it's interesting, because I've had like, you're the third creator of sort of a book that's aimed at younger people that I've kind of spoken to in a row, which has been interesting for me. Sure. So I've kind of asked you all the same question just to see sort of how, <laughs> no pressure. Um, yeah. But for parents particularly who are listening to this and for kids who are listening to this like who may be unsure about the world of comic books and graphic novels and the value that they they have on kids what what would you say to people to to give it a go and what the value is in all this all this crazy yeah
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so i i will let let me confess that i i do have i I do share a little of the trepidation about graphic novels so I, i worry uh a little bit i mean I, this is this is maybe hypocritical i don't know but i worry a little bit that like you know the graphic novels are so good i i worry my kid is just not going to read uh all the like like awesome you know there's no pictures in it books that i love but i you know i i i, I, I wouldn't like you know my view of if, if a kid is, is reading something and enjoying it i i don't I, I kind of look the other way um so i i but um so, so let me like, just confess that if a parent is like, but if I give them comic books, they won't read, uh, I don't know, Madeline Longlow or something. Um, I, I think that's a legitimate worry. Uh, it, but I will say, in defense of graphic novels, I think that there's a way in which they're kind of more natural for kids. Uh, and, and then you have to ask yourself, what what what, what, is, our, what, what is the point of giving kids books? And, and for me, a big part of it for, a big part of the, like reason we read books um, that aren't just like nonfiction explaining information about the world is that you kind of get to spend a little bit of time inhabiting someone else's brain and with the very best books that brain is an interesting brain. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you, if you read a really if you read Madeline Langla, she's like nobody else. And you get to have your brain's monologue, your inner thoughts be hers for a while and although you know a graphic novel always is going to have a bit of an outsider looking in quality um you can do a similar thing with 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 pictures and and there's even some stuff that's very hard to do elegantly in prose that you can do with pictures like expressing a subtle emotion um uh you know with 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 the flick of the eyebrow or a, like a crook of the side of a mouth and so, what I hope you know, you're giving your kid with a graphic novel, which is the same as giving them with a book, is that chance to inhabit another brain. The other thing I would say, another way to look at graphic novels uh, is at, they're just like short stories. We, they have illustrations, of course, but they're 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 they have one thing that that you won't get from reading. I don't know Harry Potter. Well, let me not cite Harry Potter in these days, but like you know, <laughs> there's a whole thing. You know, I was going to say Roald Dahl next, but uh, well, anyway, <laughs> the, the the thing you 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 don't get. Edgar Allan Poe wrote about this. He wrote a thing called the essay on composition. He, he said there's what he thought thought was great about the short story format is that a person will just read the whole thing in one sitting, and so as an artist and as a receiver of the art, you get a complete experience. Which which which. Longer form books. I I love longer form books. I, I, I especially love epics, but, but you you do miss that kind of like, I don't know, experience of kind of being at a word symphony. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, And so uh, my, I will at least say my, although I have that trepidation, my policy is I I buy my daughter all sorts of graphic novels. I, I I have no limits and I don't worry about it. And her reading is just wonderful. And she's very creative and and she will talk to me about the stuff she read in these books, and I, I even I even wonder if it kind of helps her understand kind of emotions better uh, in a way that would be harder for a book. Um, and then I will say, in defense of my graphic novel in particular, is that, that my graphic novel is a bit of a cheat. Um, so if you if you if you haven't had a moment to read it yet, it's more like and th- this is not a comparison in terms of quality, but it's more like reading Blake, which is there's a visual with integrated words rather than like boxes that we, we do like, so Goulet is like a master of this format. He uses what you might call some comic book language uh, in terms of like, you know, boxes and, and, and structures and how, how the eye moves around the page, but it's really words integrated with images. And so, and it is a poem. And what I hope is that it is designed to be read aloud by an adult to a child a child can appreciate it as can an adult but it's designed to be the two of you or or the you in a group as an adult and and if i did it right the the nice thing is it's bringing this this old thing this sort of like verses on life into a, a kid's life without being onerous like it's just it's meant to be funny and enjoyable but also kind of expose you to this thing that we don't really do anymore which is right this way and and um and so you know, my my in my fantasy world, all children are being forced to memorize like Pope's Iliad um, because I think it'd be good for them. I actually I did this to my daughter a little bit. I didn't make her do it. I, I made her listen to me, uh, but but she absorbed it. And I, I don't know. There's this there's this sort of like to me, and I, I know I'm, I'm I'm getting very long winded here, but let me just make my 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 final puff here. Um, when you when you do something like that, when you introduce epic verse or beautiful or, or words—not not saying that about mine—but it is what I went for. When you introduce that in your life, and you can remember it. And it's actually good; it's not just sort of tickling you. Then it, it's like adding a little attic to your mind that you can go back to—a little 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 extra room that's an interesting place you can go, which will like you know uh, will, will will serve you. When you need it. And so to me, it's sort of distressing that in, in Anglophone culture we don't we don't do this anymore. We, poetry is for like wimps and the worst slam poet you ever heard. Um and so I I hope uh by 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 introducing this book to parents with their kids, we we sort of we sort of sucker them into uh uh enjoying enjoying literature. Uh, that's 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 my my deep hope so i i see this book as a kind of like a gateway rather than a kind of you know thing you you know like rather than like a potential barrier to to of your stuff it's a sort of like step in that direction
0: hmm. it's interesting actually that because when you said like it's designed to be a parent reading it to the kid it suddenly clicked in my mind because i was reading this book and i was like there's something about it i'm not my thing there's something that is singing to me. My finger isn't yeah. quite on it, and yeah. it's exactly that. Yeah, no,
1: no, it's, and because someone like we didn't talk about Boulet much, but he's like literally the best comic book artist who maybe ever lived. That's like yeah. honest belief. And um, and like so what's amazing about him, and I know I know we're going over time now, but like, like, so just real quick, let me let me sing Boulet's praises a little bit. Absolutely. So he's a classically trained French artist um who uh did web comics, so they call him Bleu. BD, I think. Um, And um, so he has this classical train, which you can see in the composition in a number of the panels. But he also is very deep on the like, the French tradition, which is very clear if you know your French comics, but also you you can see stuff that I I see as American influence, which is like these kind of like harsh camera angles. But then also, there's a kind of Japanese and Korean influence uh, in in sort of like uh, the sort of uh, line work and, 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 and the way certain things are conveyed. Mm. And it's just this sort of magical quality. And it's so well done that I th- So there are lines in this book that are very hard to catch if you're a kid on the first time. Uh, like there's a line. I, I don't know why this one pops into my head. But there's a line. There's this part where they're just all sad because the treehouse been taking one. There's a line that's something like, in the midnight of mirth, none moved under starlight. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and um, that's a kind of like that's asking a little bit of, of the reader. But it's not. Because you can see that it's like midnight, it's dark and miserable. And so the kid doesn't need to know it. They, they can hear the kind of usually the sound is iambic uh, uh, and it's alliterative, uh, which is why it bounces along. but like you don't need it. Um, so that but so that I, I felt sort of at liberty to to, to do riskier stuff because because Buley is so skilled at conveying what happened. Like you almost don't need the words. the, the words become this like extra layer
0: yeah I'm not gonna lie when I read that I it was quite early in the morning I wasn't fully awake so I was like what? <laughs> and uh, but the the artist did it for me so I was yeah, completely exactly. it worked on me <laughs> exactly.
1: good 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 yeah I hope, so. I hope I hope that's that's what I, was, that's why I say you can you can use a word like foal which nobody uses if you you, you can see the person foaling right um yeah. so it, it works
0: yeah no it absolutely does it's a, a wonderful book um I'm, yeah, I am a better person for have read it. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, I would encourage everyone to go out and read it. Thank you so much. Thank you for your yeah. Courage.
1: This has been an absolute delight.
0: Beowulf is available now via Macmillan Publishers. It is well worth it. it's Aimed at younger readers, but honestly, absolutely everybody can enjoy. As Zach mentioned, he also has many other books available for you to purchase, so do seek them out and have a look. And there's also Saturday Morning Breakfast Cereal, his ongoing web stream. You can also support him on his Patreon and various other things. You can find him on Twitter as well, should you fancy, at Zach Weiner. All the links available in the show notes.